In the gospel reading, Jesus disrupts our status quo by dividing so that he can unite and lead us in understanding signs of the times. We stand for the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 12th chapter. I came to cast fire on the earth, and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on in one house there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against father. Mother against daughter and daughter against mother. Mother Mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once, A shower is coming, and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, There will be scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and sky. But why do you not know how to interpret the present time? This is the gospel of the Lord. Hear it again. Do you think, Jesus said, that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. And in Matthew's gospel, Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. From now on, five and one household will divide three against two and two against three. They'll be divided. Father against son and son against father. Mother against daughter and daughter against mother. Mother Mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. I came to bring a sword, not peace. So much for the gentle Jesus. We like the gentle Jesus, don't we? That's the picture most people have of the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus who, who said, welcome little children. Let the children come to me. The Jesus who... Who, who healed people. The Jesus who, before Pontius Pilate and Herod on Good Friday, just stood there calmly and meekly while he was condemned and sent to the cross. We like the gentle Jesus. But there was another side to Jesus. Because Jesus was tough. He was really tough. You have to be tough to go to the cross. He was confrontational. He didn't mind saying things that offended people so much for the gentle Jesus. In the 23rd chapter of Matthew's Gospel, Jesus is talking to the crowd and to his disciples and to the the religious leaders, and he calls them hypocrites. I love this. You hypocrites, he says. Now, didn't Jesus teach us, you shall not, don't judge because you'll be judged. He taught us not to judge. Well, he told us that because we have faults. Jesus had no faults. So he could judge all he wanted. And he hated hypocrisy. And he hated hypocrisy in religious leaders, and you do too, don't you? You you see some scandal of some TV guy running away with the organist, no offense. (laughs) Or a Sunday school teacher, no offense. We hate that kind of scandal, that kind of hypocrisy. And Jesus spoke out against it. 
Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! Woe to you, Pharisees and hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs. I love that. You are like whitewashed tombs. On the outside you look beautiful, but inside they are full of the bones of the dead and of all kinds of filth. You're whitewashed tombs. He was tough. So much for the gentle Jesus. There was a gentleness, but there was a toughness. And Jesus was not afraid to say that when he came, his message would also be tough. And it could divide families. He said, I came not to bring peace. I came to, be, to bring divisiveness, to bring a sword. Because people will have to choose. And sometimes those choices bring divisions in the family. The teachings of Jesus were so revolutionary. Let me give you some examples of the revolutionary nature of the message of Jesus. First, I've said here a couple of times that the message of Jesus was the kingdom of God. He always talked about the kingdom of God, but there was a message more important than that. He was the message. The message of Jesus was not so much an idea as a person. In all the great religions of the world, the great teachers of the world pointed people to something else. Muhammad pointed Islam towards the Koran. Buddha and Confucius pointed people towards their teachings. The great philosophers of Greek pointed people towards ideas. But Jesus pointed people to himself. Come to me, he said. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, come to me. He didn't say go there. He said, come to me. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Nobody, nobody comes to the Father except by me. He pointed to himself. He said, I am the good shepherd. I am the vine. He said, when I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. Revolutionary. Jesus Christ pointed people to himself. He was the message. Second, Jesus claimed to be God. Now, he didn't wear a big sign on his chest that said, I am God. But the things that he did made it clear that that's what he believed. You can see that most clearly in his dealing with the Old Testament, with the books of Moses. He would say, you have heard it said to the men of old. You've heard people say this, but I say this. He said, you have heard an eye for an eye or tooth for the tooth. That's what the Old Testament taught. But Jesus said, but I say to you, turn the other cheek. Walk the second mile. That's what God wants. Jesus claimed authority over Moses. That was scandalous. You see that most clearly in when Jesus declared that all foods, the Jews could eat anything. In the 11th chapter of Leviticus, there's a whole chapter about the things that Jews may eat and may not eat. And of course, everybody knows that one of the things they may not eat is pork. To this day, 
because of Leviticus chapter 11, Jews don't eat pork. <clears throat> but Jesus said, you know, it's not what goes in your mouth that makes you unclean. It's what comes out. So, have a ham sandwich. And Jesus overthrew all of these dietary laws that the Jews follow to this day. He put himself over against the Old Testament. And the New Testament church did the same thing. If you remember the story of Cornelius. Uh, Cornelius was a, a Roman centurion and, and Peter had a vision one day and he had this vision that a sheet was coming down and it had all kinds of animals in it, both clean animals and unclean animals. Animals that the Jews could eat and animals that the Jews couldn't eat. And Jesus said, take and kill. And Peter said, I don't eat half of that stuff. And Jesus said, what God has made clean, you may not call unclean. Have a pork chop. Of course, the teaching was that Gentiles, non-Jews, are no longer unclean. And Gentiles are welcome into the church on the same basis as Jews. That was a revolutionary teaching. And it was bound to find opposition. Jesus said in Matthew, I came to bring the sword. Remember Peter and James and John, the three disciples who were closest to Jesus? James, early in the life of the church, was killed with a sword. He was beheaded. So much for the gentle Jesus. In fact, I think that early in Jesus' ministry, he might have caused some divisions in, in, in families. You remember the calling of James. James and John are working uh, by the Sea of Galilee, and they're tending their nets. They work for their father. They had a fishing business. I imagine the business said, Zebedee and sons, fine fish. And Jesus came along and said to James and John, follow me. And they did. Well, how do you think Zebedee felt? <laughs> Losing two of his strong sons to some wandering preacher. Now, we don't know if Zebedee was upset, but we, I have a hunch he was. Wouldn't you think so? Losing somebody like that to the family business? Early in his ministry, Jesus went back to Nazareth and he was preaching there. And people were saying, he has a demon. He's crazy. And Mary and Jesus' brothers and sisters came to take him away. Because they thought he was nuts. And bringing disgrace on the family. And they came to take him home, to get, out, get him out of the way. And when they said, oh, your mother and your brothers and sisters are coming... They're here to see you. He said, who? Who are my mother and my brothers and my sisters? As if he disowned them. And he said, no. The people who do my will, those are my brothers and my sisters. I came to bring not peace, but a sword, and to divide families. 
And so it goes into the early church. The first Christian martyr, Stephen, was killed because he witnessed to Jesus. St. Paul, in his early life, went about persecuting Christians. They said he was breathing fire. I mean, he was quite a quite a firebrand, going to go and get Christians and arrest them and throw them in jail. And then he saw Jesus. And that all changed. And the people he was once persecuting, he was now helping and, and, and promoting the gospel. And so let me read from you what happened to Paul on the basis of being a Christian. This is from 2 Corinthians 11. Five times... I have received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. It's a whip. 39 times across your back. Five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. I take that to be something like a broomstick. Once I received the stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. For a night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in in danger from rivers, danger from bandits, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers and sisters, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, hungry and thirsty, often without food, clothed and naked, and besides other things. I am under daily pressure of my anxiety for all the churches. Wow. When you become a Christian, there is opposition. So much for the gentle Jesus. People say, well, can't we all just get along? You heard that? Let's just get along. No, you can't just get along. Christians couldn't just get along because they first faced persecution. And it goes on to this day. And if we could have the lights and have this... I brought some slides this morning to talk about things that have happened in my lifetime in my ministry. From 1960 to 1963, Val and I served as lay missionaries in Japan. We served on the island of Kyushu in the city of Kumamoto. I served in the school called Kyushu Gakuin, the boys' school, and Val served across town in the girls' school called Kyushu Joga Queen. I should say, by the way, we were engaged there and we had an oriental romance. The school, Kyushu Queen was established in 1911. I think I'm going to get out of the way here. It was established in 1911 as a Christian school. And, and we were there in 1961 when they celebrated their 50th anniversary. We were also there in 2011 when they celebrated their 100th anniversary. One of the first things they built was this wonderful chapel. It was a Christian school, and so, let's have the next slide. And so the boys had to, all the boys had to own a a songbook, and they had to own a Bible. And uh, they came to chapel. This is, by the way, from the 50th anniversary of Kushuga Queen. Now, when when their parents sent the boys to the school, they were not, there were very few Christians. And the parents said, now listen to what they teach you about right and wrong. 
But don't listen to what they teach you about Jesus. Next slide. But every year, some boys like this became Christians. They heard about Jesus. They heard about the cross. They heard about the Son of God. And they decided to become Christians. And when they did that, they oftentimes lost their family. Their moms and dads were mad at them. They were outcasts because they were turning their back on Shintoism and Buddhism and Japanese culture. We knew that if they became Christians, they would have a hard time. They might be separated from their families. Nevertheless, we preach Christ. Some of the girls, Japanese girls, never got married in a culture where marriage is very important. And they never got married because they couldn't find Christian husbands. And their being Christians was more important than being married. And they went against the culture. Next slide. This young lady, her name is Eka. Eka was a Muslim uh, on Bali. Uh, most of Indonesia is Muslim. Bali is, is Hindu. But Eka came from a Muslim family. And she had two friends, Deddy and Fanny, who, uh, who witnessed to her and brought her to our services. And one Sunday, I preached a sermon. i never forget it. It was called Get a Life. I'll preach it here sometime. It's called Get a Life. And the, 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 the theme of the sermon was that the Christian life is not a bad life. It's a good life. You can really have a, a, a wonderful life when you're a Christian. And Eka heard that sermon, and she decided to be baptized. And her mother rejected her. Her father wasn't much of a Muslim, so he didn't care. But she lost her mother. Eka since then married a man from Switzerland and is living in Switzerland and is involved in some kind of Christian work. Next slide. Now, this is Deddy here and his wife Fanny. Committed Christians. And they are the people who brought Eka to Jesus Christ. Fanny came out of a Buddhist, isn't that right, Val? Buddhist background? And she told a wonderful story about one time a, a, a Buddhist priest came to their house because he could say, he could read their aura and tell what their future was like. And when he came to, to Fanny, he said, are you a Christian? She suggests, he said, I can't see into your aura. One time their house was attacked and Daddy and uh, Fanny and her brothers and sisters hid in the basement and they were ready to die for Jesus Christ. So much for the gentle Jesus. He knew what he was talking about when he said, I came to bring not peace, but division. When we were in Indonesia on Bali, we met a, fam a, a farmer up in the hills who became a Christian, and they cut off his water for rice. They can do that. 
They have an intricate system where the water runs from the top of the mountain all the way down to the sea and is distributed to all the farms. And if they don't like you, they'll cut off your water and you can raise nothing. We met another farmer whose house was burned down because he was a Christian. So much for the gentle Jesus. Can't we all get along? No. We all can't get along. Lights, please. You could, now you can turn that off. Wherever we go in the world where the gospel is preached, there comes division. Now, I was going to say that when we preach the gospel, right? But now, native churches are preaching the gospel. And wherever the gospel is preached, there is persecution. We know that in Indonesia, there is persecution. Christians are attacked and killed. <clears throat> the sad part about that is that the Christians are fighting back. Instead of turning the, sec the other cheek and walking the second mile, the Christians fight back and they're no better than their Muslim attackers. Now why do we do this? Why do we go and create all this chaos? Can't we all just get along? Aren't, isn't one religion just as good as another? No, the answer is no. Because John 3.16 is profoundly true. God so loved the world, the world, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. We have, we have this truth, and the responsibility of the church is to share that truth with everybody. And if it brings division, then it brings division. If it separates households, then it separates households. If it brings the sword, then it brings the sword. But those who believe, they are comforted by the gentle Jesus. Amen.